are now listening to Wisdom from North podcast with me, Jannike Einias. Here I will explore topics such as metaphysics, spirituality, personal growth, and in general, how we can create good lives for ourselves. My intention is to find some answers, but perhaps more importantly, finding new questions to ask, because there is always something new to discover in this wonderful universe that we live in. In Wisdom from North, we're passionate about helping you take your spiritual growth to that next level. That's why we are collaborating with some amazing spiritual teachers and partners who offer free webinars and classes. Go to wisdomfromnorth.com forward slash free. Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to the guests and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of Wisdom from North or any entities they may represent. Now, please enjoy the episode. Botox Cosmetic, Atabotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Margaret. A warm welcome to the show. Hi, Annika. Nice to meet you in person. Yes, sort of, very. Yeah, sort of in person. <laughs> You're in Canada, right? Yes, I am. I'm in a Alberta, sort of the northern Alberta. Right. I'm mm-hmm. so excited to speak to you today because it seems like you have been really connected for a long time to your spirit or soul. And we might learn today the difference between that uh, with the five dimensions. Uh, and it started really early on for you. And then you've had, you know, uh, a near-death experience. You are an English teacher. You have a doctorate at Oxford. And it seems like you have a really that you're really passionate about sharing a message. And I'm excited to hear more about that message today. But let's start with your first experiences, your spiritual experiences as a very young child. Yes. Well, the first one that uh, was very, very powerful for me happened when I was four years old. And quite often, if you look at the research, it happens when they're about three, four, five years old, people have these very powerful experiences. And for me, I had very a very supportive family. So I was able to grow mine and nurture mine over time. But my first experience was I was four years old. I had a little doll named Michael. And I slipped up into the living room. I had a little crib and I was tucking him into bed and I pulling up the blanket. And I heard out of the darkness, you are to be a teacher. That's how it sounded to me. And I looked up a little four-year-old and I said, okay, I will. And I did become a high school English teacher. Now I left teaching because I came up with this other big model that I wanted to share out into the world. And my students were saying, why don't you just go for it? See what else is out there for you. And, uh, but this, this message that came in as this voice and this voice, is it there every day? No, it's there. It's that voice that gives me the big, deep soul meaning of my life. But I also thought as I was, you know, uh, you know, tracking all of my experiences, I realized I had that voice earlier. And I remember I was about three years old and we used to live in a place called Cocoa Beach, Florida. My dad was a space scientist and he worked at the base there. And um, 
I was surfing. I was three. Like, imagine surfing. Like, the waves are about this high. But I think I'm surfing. I'm three. And uh, I fell off my surfboard. And the waves were coming over my head. And the t I was being pulled out by my feet. So I was kind of in this. Couldn't get my feet on the ground. And I was started panicking. I'm only three. And this is back before the days they had, like, little bubbles that you put on your arms or anything. Uh, so I, uh, I heard that, that voice and it came in and it said, with the next wave, let it push you down into the sand and dig your toes into the sand and then push towards the beach and let the wave go, pull you on, push you onto shore. And now, so I realized the voice came in earlier than you are to be a teacher. And uh, with that voice, I always use that voice. I use that example whenever I'm struggling in life. Just dig in. Just let the wave ride you onto the beach and you'll be fine. Trust in the universe. Trust in God. Trust. Have a lot of faith uh, in life. And so I use that. So the first experience that was so powerful was the you are to be a teacher because it set me up for life. But I also knew at a very young age that I, uh, I had a lot of spiritual experiences. Like I could see spirits, especially at night when I was falling asleep, and I could, um, I could see them looking at me at, at, in my room at night. And my mom was really good because it's kind of our family. There's always somebody in our family who has this. And my mom was really good. She used to every night before bed, she'd come in and like, do they go into your closet? Look under your bed. How do they get behind your curtain? And do they ever go inside your drawer? No, they don't go in my drawer. But yes, in the cupboard. Yes, behind the curtain. And so she was very good. She'd do a little room cleaning before I went to bed. So I always thought this was a normal, normal part of life. It was my reality. And it was something that I had to learn how to live with. Uh, I also felt as a very small child that I wasn't human. And I'd lie on my bed. I needed a lot of like, like I always needed an afternoon nap, still do. And uh, I would lie on my bed and say, how long do I have to do this? <sighs> Breathing. I knew I was lugging around this body. And I'm five foot 10, by the way. So I had a big body to carry around. Um, so I had that experience. And then I could see ahead. I could see what was happening. Another powerful experience was I was in my living room and I saw my mom was setting the table. I would have been about eight. And I heard this, that same voice say, die, breast cancer. Oh, you'll miss your mom. So I always thought like, oh, it said 36, die, breast cancer, 36. Oh, you'll miss your mom. And I always thought I was going to die of breast cancer at 36. But it turned out that my mom passed of breast cancer when I was 36. And I was very lucky to be with my mom when she passed because uh, I came, she lives on the other side of the country and I was able to sit with her and we, she wanted to tell me her spiritual stories before she passed and she was going over to the other side. And it was really, uh, it was, it felt really like an honor to be with her at that time, a very intimate experience of helping her pass over to the other side. And I feel really, really grateful that the universe let me have that experience. Uh, so yes, Yannicka, I've had a lot of experiences all the way through. And I'm sure many of your viewers have had many experiences too. And I really recommend that they start tracking them and see if they can pull all the pieces together and because one of the mysteries that we have is why are we having them? What are we supposed to do with them? And I always took it like very seriously. And you can't know me for five minutes, Yannicka, that you don't know that I have this. Like it's just something I am like so open about. And probably the thing that when I tell my story that I'm most open about that people are surprised is that. I used to think a lot as a child of, when do I get to go home now? When do I get to go home? Because when I'd be lying there going, how long do I have to do this? 
And a story I tell that's not, you know, sometimes I wonder, should I be telling this story? But I tell it because it really resonates with people. As a little kid, I would want to go home. And I remember on a few occasions, slipping out up out of the basement of our house and taking a butcher knife out and taking my little top up and oh. just ready to plunge it in. And then that voice would come in and say, put that back, put that back. And I'd put it back. I'd be, I don't know, six, seven. And you weren't unhappy or anything. I had a wonderful family, nurturing parents, lovely parents, lovely family, beautiful, like very fun together, camping, two dogs, you know, the cat, the fish, the bird. We had like a beautiful family and I had very understanding parents. And yet I had this sense that I missed my home. I was so homesick. This was not my home. And there was a time when, uh, so whenever I get like kind of life is feels too much, like being human is a complicated thing. Yannicka. It's not an easy thing. There are so many parts to it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just go like, oh man, like how long do I have to stay here? And when do I get to go home? However, when my mom passed away when I was 36 and I realized that I was going to stay longer, I thought, you know what? I need to dig into my life and really uh, find out what the meaning is of my life. And I remember one time I saw my older sister and uh, she was lying. We were on vacation together and she was lying on this couch under this like quilt and I was sitting on the edge of a chair, barely touching it. And she just looked so relaxed. Like she, you know, she lives on the other side of the country and I was visiting her and she was lying there going, tell me about your life. How was your year? Not that we hadn't talked on the phone and everything, but she looked so comfortable. She just sunk into this couch and I'm very awkwardly sitting on a chair. And I thought, oh, you know what? The difference between me and you is you're at home everywhere and I'm at home nowhere. And in that moment, I thought, I am going to find the exquisiteness of my life. There's a reason why I'm here. There's a reason why I'm having all of these experiences. And I was a teacher and I... I love teaching. That was my passion. Um, and I got quite a bit of recognition out of my teaching. So I, you know, I had good confirmation. I was doing a good job. But I had that sense that I was a stranger here on earth. But I decided that I was going to really find joy in my life. I was going to get excited about being here. I was going to stop wanting to go home. And I was going to make this earth place my home. So I decided to do that. And guess what happened? As soon as I decided to do that, I got the biggest vision of my life. More than you are to be a teacher. And I was doing my master's degree because my school jurisdiction wanted me to become a principal and uh, of a school. So headmaster or principal, whatever it's called uh, around the world. But here we call it a principal. And um, they wanted me and I had to go and get my master's degree. And I did my master's degree in teacher professional growth and learning. And I took one course that was just for myself. And it was called philosophy of mind. And the first homework assignment was how are the body, mind, spirit related? Well, that's my favorite question. And I had that big voice that would come in and give me answers to questions for me. And uh, so I came home and I have a system, like I have to make sure all my floors are shiny, everything's tidied up, decluttered place. I lit a candle. I love to use these yellow pads of paper to write down when I have visions and that. So I was writing it down on my yellow pad of paper and I laid on the couch and I said, so I talked to that booming voice and I said, so what's the answer? How are the body, mind, spirit related? And then into my living room came the most magnificent, huge figure 
into my living room. And it started answering the question. And it was like as if it was so excited I asked. And what it told me was, we have more than three dimensions. We have five dimensions. That's why we have five fingers, so that we can have you attended all five dimensions today. Um, now, this is my second book, and I, but I, I'm going to show it because I put this on here so that when I do uh, talks like this, I, can ha I have a visual. Um, so it said we have five dimensions, and I like how this is, you know, it looks like a stick figure, but you have five dimensions. You have a body, a mind, a spirit, a soul, and oneness. And they're all of equal value. Because sometimes people present things as a hierarchy, as if the spiritual is at the hierarchy up here, more important than the others. But the body is just as important as your spirit, as your soul. And I was also intrigued by the idea that the spirit and the soul were different parts of us because it, when it told me that i said spirit and soul i thought i thought they were the same thing because people kind of use them back and forth as if they're the same thing and it said no they're different so let me explain so we have a body here's mine you have yours and uh uh but the body is your physical it's my home and everything too so you have a body you have a mind, which is your logical, rational self. You have a spirit, which, if you believe, and I think many of your viewers probably do, that you came from absolute unconditional love into being a human, and that you will go back into absolute unconditional love. So your spirit is your eternal self, it's the part of you that came in and will go back out. It's your spirit self. Your soul is your purpose. It's why you came down here. Oneness is your connection to God. It's your sense of connection and belonging here. I do a lot of sessions for teachers on uh, the loneliness epidemic, which means your oneness dimension is low, your sense of connection and belonging. When I felt like a stranger here on earth and I thought, oh, my sister is at home everywhere. I thought, oh, I realized after I learned this model from this voice that my oneness dimension was low. I had a great connection with God, universe, spirit world, but I had a very low connection to this space called earth. And when it showed me that, I thought, well, I'm going to build my oneness dimension up. Just as we do, uh, like I run every day, like I run and I do weights and everything. But that's to keep my body really strong. But what do we do for our spirit to make it stronger? What are we doing for our meaning and purpose to make it stronger? What are we doing about our oneness dimension to make it stronger? So I, uh, my goal is to really like build all of these up for the rest of my life. Um, but the voice also told me, Annika, that... Um, we're born dominant in one of these and you grow the other ones over time. So body dominant people really love the physical, tangible experience of hair, makeup, fashion, design, cars, uh, those sweaty sports like rugby and soccer and, you know, hockey and all of those. Love that. Uh, mind dominant people, they love the logical, rational systems, uh, being managers, organizing, creating systems for people, Excel spreadsheets. I have a mind dominant daughter and she's, she doesn't get all this woo woo stuff that I do, but she said, mom, whatever you need in an Excel spreadsheet, I, I'm your girl, right? And uh, spirit dominant, I would put myself, I categorize myself as a spirit dominant. So spirit dominant, because they are unconditional love. They know they, they have a connection. So they are dominant in their, their spirit is the dominant part of themselves. And quite often, they find this world to be overly harsh and abrasive. That sounds like me. <laughs> 
Yeah, you look out at a world, and and Yonica, unnecessarily harsh and abrasive. It doesn't have to be that way. Hmm. And that's why they want to go home. May, may I just circle back a little bit to get some more backstory? So um, I, I love what you're saying that I want to find my exquisite life because one of your books is like the exquisiteness of being human. Yes, I wrote that one. Yes. And mm-hmm. this voice, I'm curious about it because, okay, so I'm curious about if this is a type of channeling, if it is a being that has um, that is known to you, that you know who it is that is speaking to you. And what I also find interesting is that he's still, or it, yeah. <laughs> and he's still talking to you because sometimes, you know, when I was four years old, I, I drew these UFOs and all that. And I don't remember that. Uh, I've just seen it on drawings. And I'm just so amazed that you remember this so clearly. I, I don't remember when I was three, four years old. But since you're still hearing that voice, you know, because maybe did you doubt sometimes that you remembered right that the voice said you are to be a teacher, that you might have dreamt it, you know, it was a fantasize, fantasy, that it not, might not be... Um, and real. Did you doubt that ever? Well, it's interesting you say that because I did my PhD on spirituality. If we were going to bring spirituality into our public education system, because right now in Canada, we have nothing. It's a very mind dominant school system, according to me, very mind dominant. Uh, there's some things for the body dominance, like sports and fashion and all of that, but there isn't really anything for the spirit dominant kids or the soul dominant kids. Um, So anyway, uh, did I ever doubt? So when I was doing the research into uh, childhood spiritual experiences so that I could put it in my lit review for why this was necessary, it, a lot of kids have them when they're three or four. If they have a parent that plants the seed that, Oh, um, that was just your imagination. Right. Oh, don't be silly. You know, what happens is over time is they doubt reality as a whole, because that experience is more, more significant, more real than just this tangible world. Do you see what I mean? And it can end up making them doubt reality as a whole, what's real, what's not real. So I was very lucky that my parents, they didn't know that I was doing that with the butcher knife and they probably didn't realize it until they read my book. If they ever read it, I don't know. But um, so uh, I think that I had that voice at four years old, you are to be a teacher because it what it's what keeps me here. Oh, yeah, because I was wondering about that too. Why would you need to hear such a voice? I mean, it's like, here's your purpose, landing on a plate. Like there are so many who are searching for their purpose, right? What's my purpose? Why am I here? There's even a Broadway show about it. Um, So yeah, that makes sense that but, but, but do you think that perhaps you haven't been that much on earth? Have you like looked into that, that you've had perhaps not so many lives on earth or a lot of lives that have been really heavy so you didn't want to come back? Do you have any reflections about that? Well, I keep thinking that this is going to be my last time on earth because I find it such a strange place down here. But I think, you know, like... Um, because spirit dominance see they're more observers of the world they end up being our poets and our artists because they see the world as a stranger would and so they see the intricacies you know and they they can write about it and they have when i when i was teaching school um and i was showing the kids well it was this book but i i said to them hey you guys i just came up with this new idea in my master's class. Can I show it to you? And I had it on the board and I had drawn it out like this. And uh, I said, what do you think? And the kids were going, oh yeah, I'm body dominant for sure. I love rugby. Yeah, I love all that. And they'll have some super cool haircut or whatever, right? The girls have the purse that matches the shoes and everything, the perfect lipstick on. Um, But it was these kids that stayed behind after class. And they said, I, I think you just explained everything about my life. Oh, wow. 
I have those feelings of wanting to go home. Oh, and, and often they would have like very baggy clothes on, usually all one color, like a hoodie or something, you know, over their heads, kind of long hair though. And they didn't talk very much. They put their earbuds in and, uh, and I said to them, well, are you staying in the spirit dimension too much? And we would talk about that. Like I would say to them, cause they would just shut down and you see spirit dominant people are saturated by the human experience at a certain point in, of the day, every day, and they need to go and have a nap. So my spirit dominant kids would arrive to school already saturated, already exhausted. They're already shutting down before they can even learn anything. And I remember this one in particular, and, and I, I went over to him and I said, um, where do you go when you get sick of us? And it was the first time that he ever looked at me with light in his eyes. And he said, I build skateboard parks. Oh, I said, okay. Uh, do you ever get like formulas that come to you or, or any kind of visuals of it? And he said, yeah, I do. So I ran out to my little office and I came back with a journal book and I said, well, let's start drafting it out. What else is coming to you? How does it look? And I said, let me look at your schedule. Are you taking the courses you need to be a skateboard park builder? Are you taking physics? math, drafting, art, because they need to be beautiful as well. And um, so we reorganized the schedule so that he could become a skateboard park. And I said, so what's happening to you is you're drifting off into your, which some people might call their imaginary world, but you're drifting off into the spirit world. How about make what you're visioning over there real and tangible here on earth? So what we need to do, just if you were starting to jog, I don't know if, what exercise you do. You look very fit. I jog a lot. <laughs> yeah, you look very fit. Uh, so if you just started jogging, you might run one light post, walk one light post, run until you can get to a whole like kilometer and then two kilometers or whatever. So I said to him, okay, we've, I've got to help you keep your spirit here at school one light post at a time. So I want you to keep your spirit in. Then you get to open up your journal with the pictures of your skateboard park. And then you can then go back into listening and learning, staying here, keep your spirit in your body, looking out your eyes. And, I, and um, so we were building up his spirit capacity to stay here on earth. Mm. And uh, so I said, what is the subject you, where you find you drift off the most? And he said, math. And I said, well, you really need math if you're going to design skateboard parks. And I said, so you're going to really try hard in math and just keep your spirit in your body and just go five minutes. Tomorrow, we're going to do seven. Then we're going to do 10. Then we're going to do 15. And we're going to until you, you can keep your spirit in your body. And I said, and to top it off, I'm only going to mark you present if you're actually present, body, <laughs> mind, spirit. And he looked at me and he just burst out laughing, right? And I said, so when I see your eyes drifting away, <laughs> you're not present. And so sometimes I just kid him, right? Because he had never talked to me before. He was just like under a hoodie. And luckily I caught on to this like early on in the semester. And so I'd look over there and I'd say, are you here today? Well, I am now. You're right. <laughs> so well, it's just, yeah, so it was just kind of fun with the class. Like, you know, they had to be there. And I, when I teach teachers, I say, watch their eyes. When the light goes out in their eyes, you need to bring them in and have a conversation. So, I mean, you're doing amazing work and so important work. I, I've actually um, studied to become a primary teacher myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, at points, you know, I, I brought meditation into the classroom, but that was frowned upon by some of the uh, um, parents. So I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be hard. And I, I really identified with you because I think uh, I wrote some or read somewhere that you said that you loved helping the students so much, you know, connecting with them. That was the same for me. And that's probably why I'm not a teacher today or a primary teacher, because 
I wasn't that interested in teaching them math and Norwegian and all that stuff, but just connecting with them and speaking about their emotions, how they were doing, <laughs> to be in their bodies and all these things. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I taught English literature, so it opens. We have to do Shakespeare. What do you think, Hamlet? It's all great right. literature is about the human experience. That's, that's why it's perfect. enduring. We can relate right. to it. Everybody can relate to it because it's about the human struggle, the human, the conflicts we have to endure as a life. So it was a gateway for me to talk about it. And when we talked about Hamlet, you know how he sees the, his dad's spirit on the top of the castle in the opening scene. And um, we talk about it. Like I'd say, has anybody ever seen a ghost before? Oh, man, they wanted the whole period to tell all their ghost stories, all their stories about spirit, what happened to them. They, don't, they just wanted that. And then there'd always come a point, Yannicka, and this speaks to your point, um, where somebody would say, do you think we're allowed to talk about this? Right. Do you think we're allowed? Do you think we're going to get in trouble for talking about this? Well, you know, here's the thing. Like, I found out I never really did need math in my life. Well, I knew it from the beginning because I knew full well nobody was ever going to ask Margot McKinnon, like, to design some bridge that was going to go over a river or anything. I just needed the basics. But we all die. And it's one of the mysteries about what happens when we die. Yeah, and kids are curious. By then, by high school, especially, they've experienced death, whether it's their dog or their grandparent or a parent. Uh, they've experienced it, and it gives them, and plus, they're having their own spiritual experiences. And I remember I had this one boy in my class. They were all telling their ghost stories to go along with Hamlet. And uh, he was in grade 12, so he'd be like 17, 18 years old. And uh, he said something for the first time, and he was on the football team, and he had his football jacket on and everything. Canadian football. And uh, he said, once you've had a spiritual experience and you've seen, you've got walked through that door and you've seen what's over there, you're never the same. You are a changed, different person and there's no going back. And it's true. Once you have, once you've seen it, there's yeah. no going back. You've seen it and now it's part of your reality. I agree. And that's so important to mention because uh, belief is one thing. And I read all these spiritual books and was very interested in this, but I really craved a spiritual experience myself because I just came to it. But, you know, it's just a belief. And people have been leaving in all sorts of things and religions and this and that. And many times that does not end up good. So I need to know. And that's when I started to meditate. I started to learn how to astral project, uh, lucid dream. That's where I, I found my answers and finally started to have some mystical experiences. And I, I'm really glad I am. I'm not doing that anymore because it takes so much effort uh, to astral project for me at least. But then I have that, you know, ground floor that I, I know that this is a real deal. I'm not just, you know, interviewing you, believing, yeah, it might be true, it might not. Like I really believe what you're saying is a real deal. But I'm, I'm curious, like, you seem very strong. You know, you've been at Oxford. Did you speak to uh, your other colleagues about spirituality? Was there any openness there about this topic? Well, funny you should ask. <laughs> so I had my supervisor who was, like, totally mind-dominant person. And uh, um, he said, well, why did you become a teacher? Okay. So am I going to say because a booming voice came in <laughs> when I was four years old and told me that I had to be a teacher? Well, yes, I did, because I'm very confident about my experiences. And yes, that's why I became a teacher. And uh, so, yeah, I told him that. And then there was a time when... Um, we started battling about, because I was using the word spirituality, not religion. And he was more like, well, you have to have religion, like this spirituality. And he actually said to me, um, you know, well, you have to realize, Marco, that some of this spirituality stuff is just woo-woo. or Not woo-woo, what did he say? Doft, doft. He said, it's doft. And I said, what do you mean, doft? And I said, I bet you think I'm daft. And he said, well, I don't think you're daft. Um, and I said, sure you do. 
And he said, okay, sometimes I think you're daft. And I said, okay, well, on what under what circumstances do you think I'm daft? And uh, he said, well, when you were praying to the moon with the Inuit. Now I did, we have indigenous peoples here and I did a lot of ceremony with our indigenous people here. And um, he said, when you prayed to the moon with the Inuit. And I said, I never prayed to the moon with the Inuit. I, pr I prayed to the sun with Blackfoot. So of course he burst out laughing, right? And then we kind of got into a, a tussle there, intellectual tussle. Because, um, you know, I said, well, and maybe this isn't, you can cut this out, Yannicka, if you don't want to put this in here. But I said, are you telling me that what we need is white men on white horses riding all over the earth, protecting people from their daftness? Because that's called imperialism. It's called colonization. These are real experiences that people are having. It's time that people stopped trying to systematize them into something that's familiar to them. Just sit back and listen. And so anyway, he was like really laughing hard because I, I really do believe that. You listen to people, you listen to their experiences. And I'll give you an example of my own son because my parents were really good about never making me feel doffed. And my own son, he was about three, and I was putting him to bed. And he said, you know, mom, before I was born, I was talking to God. And I said, oh, really? Like, what does God look like? Like, is it a man or a woman? And he said, well, it's not a man or a woman. It's like pure white, pure white. But I knew it was God. And you don't talk in words, you just like, you just understand. Okay. I said, well, what could, did God tell you? God told me I had to come down and be a human. Okay. What did you say to that? Well, he told, I said, I said, well, I don't want to come down because it's not very nice over here, but it's really nice over there, mom. Really, really nice. And I said, well, what did God say when you said you didn't want to come? Well, he said, I had to come. And I said, can I see my mom? And he took like what looked like a photo out of a photo album and he showed it to me. And he said, and I looked at you and I said, oh, she looks mean and I don't want to be her son. So, you know, I kept it together, Yannicka. And I said, oh, really? So what did he say to that? Well, when God tells you you have to do something, you do it, Mom. And I got inside your body. And then when I was born, I looked at your face and I thought, oh, you're beautiful. And I'm glad you're my mom. But the interesting part of that story for me is he was born dead. He was like feet first. He had the umbilical cord around his neck. He came out black and blue. And probably my face didn't look very nice at the time. I thought my baby was dead. And... Uh, they put him over on this table and all I could hear was, come on, baby, breathe, come on, baby, breathe. And they were bring, and they brought him back to life. So I think that conversation happened in that birthing experience for him. And he, uh, I asked him today, he's 31 now. And uh, I said, uh, do you remember anything about that experience? And he said, I still remember the picture, but I don't remember the conversation. But you know, watching people's shows, I love the near-death experience shows, right? And I was watching that. And many of them say that they were shown their blueprint. And their blueprint showed in photographs or like little movies. And I thought, oh, yeah, he saw like part of his blueprint. And he came down because that was his mother. And he was told to come down. And it, for me, I was told I was to be a teacher. And whenever I had those feelings of wanting to go home now, no, because you agreed to be a teacher. So he agreed to be my son. So he and I are always working out what is our life story? Why was I to be his mother? Why was he to be my son? What are we to learn together, you know? So we like to go on hikes and everything and have our spiritual conversations and just lay out our blankets and just 
look up at the sky and have our conversations about life. What are we thinking about, dreaming about all of that? And you also had your own near-death experience, didn't you? I did. Well, I call it a near-death experience. Some people say, Marco, you had an out-of-body experience. Oh, right. I said, hmm, I don't know. Whatever it was, I, I don't really care because I've had these experiences my whole life. So whether it's out of body or a near death, but I'll tell you what it was. But you didn't die clinically. You Well, I think or, I did. It's just there was, I wasn't in an environment where they put, uh, I was on any kind of respirator or, or right. up so, to any machines. You right? I was, so as I said, I, I did indigenous ceremony. So I prayed to the sun with the Blackfoot, right? So anyway, I was in a ceremony and it was a fasting ceremony. It's a four-day fasting ceremony. And we're we're not really supposed to be talking about what happens in there, but this experience I think is necessary in order to help people understand their own lives. So I'm allowed to tell this part of the story. Anyway, so it's day three. Uh, you've had no food or water. It's sun, it's hot and everything. So I'm there and then suddenly... I just dropped like this, like boom. And my spirit came out and it um, it went into the most beautiful, unconditional love. Like just what you hear, like your typical near-death experience that you hear people. And it was this beautiful, white, unconditional love. And I had to open, I thought, oh, my eyes were getting really, really big so I could take it all in. And then I thought, well, open your mouth. That'll get your eyes bigger. I don't know why I thought that my pupils would get bigger. I'd see more or something if my mouth were bigger. But anyway, I looked like this. And I was going up and it just, the white light, that unconditional love became absolutely fused into my body. And then I saw my mom come down. Because remember, I told you she passed away when I was 36. She came down. And then she, she had a big, my mom had this smile that was just enormous. And she was a very funny woman. Anyway, so she came down and um, she said, and I could see other spirits going up too. I could see them. They were shooting up past me. And I was going up and, and she said, oh, you can't come up any farther than here, dear. You have to go back down. You're not allowed to come up any farther. And I was just kind of like, oh, come on. I really want to go up. But then suddenly, one of my friends, who was also in the ceremony, she went like this, Margo. And then my spirit just went back into my body. And I was lying on the ground. And I was looking around. And I didn't know, like, where I was or that this was my, I was looking like, is this my hand? And I have a fate. Oh, okay. And I was saying, because I was still partly in the spirit dimension, and I, and then suddenly I heard, you are Margot McKinnon, the teacher. Oh, right. So that teacher has always been my anchor. It comes in in these moments. And so I thought, oh, yeah, right. Okay, I'm Margot McKinnon, the teacher. But with that lesson, because I, I really encourage your viewers to examine their experience and what is the meaning out of that and connect all the dots. So what I realized out of that experience was, that profound sense of unconditional love. And that, and then that came in before this, the spirits told me this. And then, so this made more sense to me, Yannicka, because I thought, okay, spirit dominance, remember that unconditional love, that's what they're lonesome for. That's what they're pining for, longing for, that unconditional love. They find it's not, enough unconditional love it's harsh and abrasive down here and unnecessarily so and what i decided to do when i had that experience was how to integrate that experience into my life was i thought i am going to create a life where i my environment is always one of unconditional love that doesn't mean to be a doormat or any of those things what it means is my home is my sacred space. My, my, this is my uh, home right now and sort of looks dark in your video. But anyway, uh, it's all white because I want it to be that white space that I went up to. Um, uh, so I keep this a very uh, sacred space for me. My classroom for my students, I thought this is a space where these children can come in here and feel the absolute unconditional love. 
We're going to bring them into the person they were always meant to be. And so I had it there and I have it in my friendships. And so I decided I was going to integrate it in. And ever since I did that, I don't have that longing to go home anymore. Yeah, I mean, it really resonates with me because my experience is that when people find their purpose or create their purpose or start living on mission, um, you have a direction. Uh, it gives so much meaning to your life. It changed my life. I think it's really important. That's why I have webinars about it because I think there's, I mean, if you don't know why you're here, it's something you need to explore. And I, I don't think it's coming into our laps just like that, but there are things you can start to uh, look for, especially going back to your childhood. A lot of answers are in your childhood, uh, what comes natural for you. And it's so interesting because I just had a person who spoke to me. I don't remember who she was, but she said that, you know, oh yeah, uh, I just started doing this events uh, and it's so natural for me. And uh, it just dawned on me that that's what I'm going to do, but I haven't done it before because, because it's so easy. So I'm doing the hard stuff, but I'm not motivated by that. It, it seems too simple to do the easy stuff. So now she's going into events and she's amazing at that, you know, organizing, arranging. So there's a clue there, what comes natural to you. Um, yeah. And I would say, because your spirit is who you really are. It's your eternal self. It's who you, your real self. Because you could be in a mind dominant job that's crushing your spirit. And I've maintained who I really am. I don't care if you're the head of my department at the University of Oxford. I'll tell you that a, a booming voice came in and told me that's why, I why I'm a teacher. I love that. I don't care if you think I'm daft. Why would I care about that? <laughs> I don't care. Um, so I've always maintained who I really am. And I think that's why the spirit dimension trusts me. Because I'm not faking who I am. And right. your spirit really developing this. But we didn't talk about this. Your soul is your purpose. So your soul, so soul dominant people, they have to live on their purpose. They can't do a job that's just anything. Oh, that's me. To make money, right? They can't. They would rather make very little money and stay on their purpose than to have to go over here and do a job that's fake to them just to make money. They have to stay on that. So to know what to to know what type you are, is it just an intuition like me, like that's me, or do you have some sort of formula to find out? Well, I put it in here. I've got a nice little where you can you can see where you are. Think of yourself, Yannicka, on this on a spectrum for each one of these. So if you go body on a spectrum, are you body dominant? So I have you can take the little you can score yourself actually and and um, you look at yourself and you say, well, how body am I? I used to be not very body at all. And uh, then my sister told me about lipstick and, you know, like foundation. And then you put like blush on and all that stuff. So I had, a, I learned all of that. Um, and then I learned, I thought, oh, I've need, I need to increase my body dimension. So I'm going to really learn how to cook and bake. I can even make cupcakes now, Yannicka, with like the real floral designs, like with the little piping bag and everything. I never used to be able to do that. And I'm really enjoying because as a spirit dominant person who always wanted to go home, I didn't think any of these things like the body side of life, I thought it was a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. It's what gives you pleasure and joy. So my body dominant friends have really come in and helped me like, this is how to make your life fun. Um, and so, um, yeah, so you can look, but how body do I want to be? Well, I'm calling myself body competent because I don't want to go like full in and ha it's a lot of work to be body dominant. So the point is here to balance them all, is it? Yes. And right. I do stress and burnout workshops as well, like for teachers. And you can go into your dimensions and say, like when I had a student in my class, for example, who wanted to go home because I could tell by their eyes, right? So I'd say, come and have lunch, just bring your lunch in here and uh, let's talk. And I'd say to them, look, 
um, just tell me what's happening. If I can help you, I will. And if I don't know how, I'll find somebody who does. And sometimes they just want it to go home now. And I said, okay, well, and they'd say, well, you know, do you, do you ever feel like that? And they'd say, yes, I do. And they're always shocked like that I'd be that open. I say, yeah, sometimes I do. Sometimes I find life really hard and I just want to go home now. Hmm. And they say, well, what do you do? Well, I say, well, I can't go home now because I have a larger purpose. I'd be bailing on the whole reason for my being. And you also, saying to my student, you also have a reason for being. You don't want to bail now or else you're going to miss the whole point of your life. So let's take this whole semester and find your reason for being mm. so that you have a reason for staying here now. Let's make sure that you've created the life your spirit wants to live. That's your goal this semester. Have you got the courses at school that are going to help you create the life your spirit wants to live? Mm. How are your friends? Do you have friends? I said, you just need one. You don't need a whole bunch of friends. But I used to teach my students how to do connection and belonging. And, you know, because some kids would be heading off to gym class and it'd be they are doing rugby. Well, they're a spirit dominant. They don't want to play rugby. And I said, well, you know, all those sweaty sports, like, you know, I'm 5'10", so they always wanted me playing basketball. And I thought, well, basketball is kind of rude, isn't it? Like you try and take the ball from somebody else and, and then you have to be all sweaty and everything. It wasn't really my thing, but I love long distance running. So I just tell them, don't worry if, if every subject at school is not your jam. Find the one that you really like. And so we just look at them on a spectrum and just say, okay, are you, where are you? Are you kind of, are you on a two over here? Can we boost you up to a three or a four? How are you doing over here in the physical? Are you eating nutritious food? Do you need a haircut? Do you need, you know, where are you here? So we'd, we'd kind of say, okay, here's our plan moving forward by just saying, where am I? Give yourself a score one to five. How are you doing in each of your dimensions? It's really brilliant. It's really helpful. And, you know, some of my intention with these conversations is to sort of share these, this wisdom and knowledge to people, especially that are feeling lost. Like I was so lost 20 years ago. I had those feelings that I wanted to go home as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and to understand how important it is that we're here, that we have a deeper meaning with our lives. And speaking of that, I have a few questions I would like to ask mm -hmm. you that I ask my um, guests. So what is the deeper meaning of life from your perspective? Well, for me, I think it's, it's different for everybody. It depends on where you are in your spiritual trajectory. I know what the deeper meaning for my life is, but I don't want to say what it is for somebody else. And mine is, uh, I, I really believe I was put down here to do what this voice tells me to do. You know, so be a teacher. Uh, I like a kind of serendipity lifestyle. I don't like to be trapped in a mind dominant uh, space because that's when the spirits can't talk to me anymore because it's too mind. So I live a rather serendipity, like I try and keep my days uh, open so that the spirits can come in and guide me and I'm off here doing this or talking to that person. So for me, it's about teaching, fulfilling what the universe gives me to teach. And then I teach people about that. And so therefore, I have to be a really good learner. So it just depends on what you think you're here for and what your spiritual trajectory is, where you are in that. And what is self-love to you? Uh, appreci you know, I, appreciating who we are, you know, and being really authentic in your, who your spirit is and not compromising that part of yourself. But I've, I've introduced a new practice into my own spiritual growth. Because I, I had a fiasco back in November, like with a person that I cared very much about. And I had, I, I left it in a fiasco, but I couldn't solve it like over the phone. So I started these white light meditations. 
And you know, when I went up in my near-death experience and I said, it was so beautiful. It was all white, unconditional love. Now I bring my spirit. I do two and a half hours in the morning and an hour at night. And I bring my spirit back up to that space in my near-death experience, back up into that white light. And I talk to the voice that talks to me. I talk to my mom, all my ancestors. I'm up there and I ask it to wash me, ask it to wash the situation. And that fiasco was solved by morning. So now I'm doing these white light meditations and my I run meetup groups and everything. And now my meetup groups, they're going, oh my goodness. Like one woman, she she said, uh, you started your white light meditation. Her son was uh, uh, an alcoholic and would go um, homeless. And so we started the white light meditation. Now he's up north, he's working, he's committed and everything. And so these white light meditations were starting to really transform. So now instead of being in, and this is to answer your question in a kind of a roundabout way, instead of seeing things as a problem, I bring that up into this white light meditation. And I say, um, I go up there and I say, I am so grateful that you give me this problem to solve. Hmm. I am so grateful that I can look at it from the point of view of white light and not from being a human where you get worried and anxious and depressed and everything. I can look at it from white light and they're resolving so quickly. So when I think about, you know, my own growth and everything, this white light meditation has really, really, really transformed how I do things. I wish I'd known it sooner, but I guess you learn as you, like I only, I don't do a lot of reading of other people's work because I really only want to listen to what the spirits tell me. And if they want me to know it, then they'll tell me. And if they think that I'm not ready, they won't tell me. Beautiful. I love the trust part of that. You know, uh, thank you for this problem. I've heard that before, actually thanking for the difficulties um, instead of resisting, because there are some signals you're sending out to the universe that I, I really trust. I surrender. I trust that whatever happens is the best for me and everybody around. I trust you. Mm -hmm. My last question, uh, what is happiness to you? Um, I'm a pretty happy person. Like I, 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 um, I know when I was in high school, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on your show, but my friends would say, because I, I never did drugs or anything and uh, like nothing. And they'd say, well, if I were, if I had the chemicals that run through your body naturally, I wouldn't do drugs either, like just marijuana or something, you know, and I wouldn't do it either. So I, I have a natural chemistry that makes me, I wake up happy and I go through my day. Um, I think what probably brings me out of the happiness, if there's a toxic person that comes along who wants to kind of push me down and, and I have to now stand up to them. So I actually run webinars on how to deal with that because I had to learn how, because I just like to go through my life and be happy and everything peaceful because I'm a spirit dominant person. I like peace, joy, passion. Right. So happiness is when I get to stay in my, my spirit self and I, and if I don't have to deal with all the kind of human stuff down here. Right. Be authentic. Mm -hmm. like yeah. All right. So where can people find you? I have a website, www.drmargomckinnon. So it's like, here's how you spell my name. Is this backwards or are you seeing it right way? No, it's okay. And I'll put it below okay. the video. Also. So doctor, but it's just DR, no uh, dot or anything, no period there. Um, McKinnon. Uh, com is my website. And then if you want to send me, you can send me an email through there. I love to hear. I love when people send me emails and we can have a nice conversation. Uh, so you can order my book off of there if you want. Um, and uh, uh, you can check out what webinars. I'm not going to run any over the summer, but I'm going to start up again in September uh, with some of the webinars. And these are webinars. I always, I always say, yeah, great things are coming to me because I 
I took all my webinars because the spirits tell me what to to put it that people need right now. And then I, they tell me how to run these webinars. So I do those. Um, but you know, if you really wanted to get started, just go on my website and you can order one of these and uh, yeah, I'll send it straight out. Beautiful. Thank you so much for the wonderful work you're doing. And especially, especially within the educational system with young people that really needs to hear this. I'm really grateful for your work and for coming onto the show today. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for inviting me. What a pleasure. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. you want to become more who you are and live in alignment with your soul's purpose and explore a deeper meaning with your life, then you are most welcome to join Wisdom from North membership. If you want to go deeper, you can find all our English online courses and programs at wisdomfromnorth.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube just by searching for Wisdom from North. Until the next episode, much light from here.